Good morning. You know, I'm constantly looking to see what the father is doing. I know there are challenges and burdens and hardships and pressures. I get all of that. But what is the father doing? It's been amazing just this last week to see some of how what the Lord is doing here spill out into other places. I've heard of a church who are buying a camper van to try and do some of the similar things that we've been doing. I've heard of another church who are trying to acquire a building like we have with 422 to love and serve their city and have asked us to share with them some of our journey towards doing that. You know, your hearts and your commitment to Christ, his church and his cause spill out and cause ripples that are multiplied. I love hearing the stories of what the Father is doing among us here. Just some of those that I've heard this week. But one of the, one of the questions I constantly ask and I would encourage us to ask is, what is the Father doing in me? How have I become, how am I becoming more like him? How has he changed me in this season? How am I different from who I was, you know, this last week, this last month, from how I was in March? What is the journey that I'm on as a disciple, day to day, becoming more like Jesus as I take? take greater steps towards him and deeper into him. One of you said to me this last week that you're praying through the alphabet. You know, I thought, what a great idea. I've been doing the same since you told me that this week. I've been um, doing it with our daughter, seeking to find creative ways to cry out to God. You know, like, A, God, you are awesome. B, you are my beloved and I am yours. C, you are a creator, God. See, see what I mean? Anyway, I did that with Soph and what she came up with just blew my mind. We've been struggling, actually, you could help us send answers on a postcard for this, but we struggled a bit with X. If you could tell us some of those, that would be great. But how are you pressing in? I don't just want to survive in life. We want to thrive in life, regardless of our circumstances, to be molded and shaped, to grow in intimacy and boldness for the extension of the kingdom. When you say this last week has just been a bit of another yo-yo week, particularly in the Northwest, I do find it interesting that when crisis and frustration increases around us, so do moments and opportunities to step in with hope and step in with courage. I've had a few of those moments this last week. I don't say it lightly. I know this is a hard time. And for many, you're carrying things and weights and burdens and pressures that you also alongside that don't have the usual refreshing and relational support. We're praying that you would know Jesus so closely. Honestly, we are the power of his presence that it would rest on you and re remain in you. That this, you know, this, this is a challenging time for us. I, I know even with Course to Live For coming up, which, by the way, can I recommend join us for that some of what is stirring for it is so exciting you don't even have to go anywhere it doesn't cost you anything you can watch it and join it from your own home but um, it takes a lot of our time and energy as does some of the things we're doing with church planting around the movement often we're stretched and we don't always have the time or capacity of some of the other things or people that we would dearly love to I'm not trying to play the violin in any way. Actually, we're energized by it. We believe we're called to it. But more, we just always appreciate and value your prayers. Not everything is straightforward and not everything comes without a cost. Let me explain what I mean and I'll come to this more in a minute. But today I want to continue the series that I started last week called The Clash of the Kingdoms. And today I want to focus on specifically the devil doesn't take a day off. 
You know, Ephesians 6.10 says this, A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Honestly, I want us to grab hold of that this morning. Stand firm. Can I say that we have to stand firm? Stuff has, is, and will come at us that is seeking to knock you off course. The devil does not take a day off. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You will not have the strength and the resources in and of yourself. We're not meant to. We're meant to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you'll be able to stand firm. It doesn't say put on the odd thing that feels comfortable at the time. Put it all on so that you'll be battle ready and battle equipped, being able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. What does that mean? You know, it means that the devil doesn't take a day off. We don't always live like it, but we're in a war. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. This is a battle. If we're not aware of it, I don't think we engage with it. And if we don't engage with it, we don't stand firm. Or at least we start to lose our footing before we've really realised what's going on. Our enemy, by the way, we have an enemy. Our enemy, the devil, would like nothing more than to cause us to feel relaxed and unfocused in our commission and mandate to be disciples and to make disciples. And he'll do whatever he can to distract us, to scare us, to dissuade us, to take us out of that mission. A phrase we've often used in the vineyard is this, the devil does not take a day off. Yes, Jesus and the Father are working, but so is the devil. I said to you just a moment ago, I shared a few things and said, you know, I'm not trying to play the violin, more just trying to say we'd appreciate your prayers because not everything is straightforward or comes without a cost. Some would say, oh, it's just circumstantial. I'm afraid I am not one of those people who says that. You know, when I meet with a doctor and their jaw drops when they look back at our history and records and see how many courses of our antibiotics our children have had in their short lives, the fact that they've both had meningitis, that I've see, been multiple times I've had problems with my teeth even only recently, painkillers and endless courses of antibiotics that take me out for a long time, that I'm not quite able to function on a normal level, that Steph would be ill, then I would be ill, then one of the children would be ill. Normally it would all start on a Saturday night that would interrupt what we then went to do on a Sunday. It would always seem more likely around a time of course to live for all the Vineyard National Leaders Conference or as I'm about to start a new series or something is going on with 422 or about to launch Alpha or a small group's launching or something is happening somewhere with that. Honestly, I could talk about it for hours, some of the challenges and difficulties that we come up against then. The car breaks down, the internet's out for days, the washing machine breaks down. I could go on and on, list after list of scenarios. Someone or something somewhere, somebody wants something that I can't be or can't do and there's a relational tension. Often a key way that the enemy seeks to get in and strike is through relational tension. It's why I spoke on unity in the lead up to this series. Hey, if you're fa just as a side, if you're facing a relational tension in your life, can I ask you to consider what part the enemy might be playing in trying to get a foothold? 
because that's what he does. Anyway, as I said, I'm not playing the violin. We all face stuff. It's often the timing and the consequences that I find interesting. And please don't hear me. I'm not trying to jump off at the deep end. You know, last week's talk was about a clash of the kingdoms. It's not always. You know, I, I'm not trying to say that everything is a clash of the kingdoms. I think I'm fairly balanced. I try and hold the tension. I don't try and look for demons under every rock or stone. I'm not saying that every broken washing machine or car breaking down is the enemy. This is the point I want to make, that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against the mighty powers of the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So often because we don't view it that way, we don't prepare that way, therefore we're not ready to stand and to stand firm. If I'm honest as well, we don't always win. I wish we did. I wish every barrage and assault led to remarkable and profound breakthrough and taking ground. Sometimes, honestly, we're just standing firm. We're not necessarily taking ground, we're just standing firm. 1 Peter 5a, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. What does Peter say? He says, stay alert. One of the best things we can do is stay alert, be ready. Stay alert and be ready. Over time we start to develop an awareness that helps us to recognize the enemy's attacks before they bear demonic and detrimental fruit in our lives. The worldview is really important. The lens through which we see and evaluate the world around us, the way that we understand and process things is important. You know, what's our view of the enemy? We don't spend much time talking about him or focusing on him because our focus isn't him. Our focus is Jesus. But we need enough of an understanding that we are able to stand firm. I also think sometimes we need to make a prison break. Can I be honest about that? I nearly called this series Prison Break. 1 John 3, 8, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. When Jesus is around, what the enemy is trying to do breaks down. The enemy is the father of lies. John 8, 44, when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy tries to whisper lies and half-truths to us, to bend reality, to to distort reality and to cause doubt and mistrust. I'd say that all falls apart. And so I'd say a lot of that falls within the concept of what I said about relational breakdown. Oh, they don't like me, they don't trust me, I'm not sure I relate to them. That kind of thing, that's the enemy. He tries to whisper lies and half-truths to bend reality and to cause doubt and mistruths. It's, it's the opposite of the works of Jesus. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Often, you know, when something's foggy or unclear, you just can't get a handle on it. Sometimes in those moments, I just sense the enemy because that's what he does. It's a, it's a half-truth, it's a whisper, it's a lie. Luke 4:18. the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be freed, that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Destroying the works of the enemy is seeing you, others, us, this city be set free. 
because he sent us to proclaim that captives will be released and that the oppressed will be set free. Honestly, it's a time for a prison break. Sometimes the start of seeing the need for release and being released is actually realizing that you're trapped. You know, I got an email this week and in fact, I got the email right at this point of writing the talk and it flashed up and you know, as it does, and the subject line was um, enemy activity. It said enemy activity in the subject line. And now whilst I have permission to share it, I've kind of deliberately tried to conceal their identity and therefore I've, I've tweaked it slightly. But I would say this is a naturally supernatural moment. If you're joining us for the first time this morning and you're thinking, Paul, you are looking for a clash of the kingdoms under every stone. Honestly, we don't. I'm not. And they aren't, actually. Let me say that. Just so you know, the person who sent this is, a, is someone who passionately follows Jesus and is incredibly measured. Anyway, he said this. He said, hi, Paul. We've de been dealing with a neighbour who dislikes us intensely and tells everyone that. It has and is difficult to come to any conclusion over the problem we now have with them. Suddenly, I realised this isn't the problem. Not the person, but the powers and the principalities behind it are trying to disrupt and cause chaos. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. That's the passage I read a moment ago. They said this, which is exactly what is happening. It is a stressful situation affecting us and how we can stay in God's peace. This caused us to argue among ourselves, not good, and we are now focused again. We spend a lot of time praying and standing on God's promises in his word. 1 Peter 5, 8 to 11. You quoted it on Sunday. In fact, I just quoted it again a moment again. If I get stuck in an attack, it makes me want to pray even more for you, Steph, Sophie and Olivia. We are standing with you and praying for you and support you in all you're doing. And just wanted to say how we love you as a family. We're so glad we met you, Goss. Such a life-changing moment. Honestly, such kindness. Thank you, firstly. But let me say this. Honestly, some of you will think, oh yeah, challenges with the neighbours, you know, we've, we've had that. And honestly, we've had that. We have. But sometimes you know that you know, and you just have a sense and awareness that you know that there is a seed of the enemy in it. Because the enemy is a liar, and he seeks to disrupt and distract and deter. Actually, this person has shared this scenario with me before with their neighbour, and I thought that then. I was like, there's a seed of the enemy in this, because his role is to kill and destroy. So what do we do? How do we overcome it? Well, firstly, I'd say this, and I love what this family is doing. Firstly, they're aware of it. You know, we're aware. We stay alert. We work out, do we think the enemy is in this? Let's stay aware and alert to that fact. Secondly, we stand firm as they are doing. We don't let it wobble us. You know, we don't let it break our resolve. We stand firm. And then what do we do? Well, we continue to live out the purposes of God regardless because we expect it, we examine it, and we endure it. And then we press into what God has for us. I love how the person who emailed me said this, if I get such an attack, it makes me want to pray even more for you, Steph, Sophie, and Olivia. Well, firstly, thank you. We need it. We are so grateful. And we pray for you. And we pray for all of you in this regard. Secondly, that is exactly it. When the enemy seeks to knock us back and knock us down, part of standing firm is saying, no, sorry, I am not having it. I am pressing in. I am standing firm. I am actively going to seek to take ground. Some attack is invited. It's repetitive, habitual sin. That's where we invite it. But some is affliction. 
You have done nothing to invite it. It's the enemy seeking to knock you off course. Now, this, this is such an odd talk to do when I'm not with you in person because there's so much to say about all of this. And in a way, I just want to look you in the eye and see what the Lord might be doing among us. But let's just reflect on three principles. Firstly, evil spirits have no power over us unless we give it to them. John 1, 4, 4, you belong to God, my dear children. You, you need to hear that this morning. You belong to God. He says, you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. That's the first thing. The second thing is, often it comes in waves. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd thing to say if you don't see it that way, but honestly, it comes in waves. So I want to say stand firm. And when you've stood firm, keep standing. Stand firm. And when you've done that, what do you do then? Well, stand firm. Honestly, if I say nothing else, I, I think it's important. Stand firm. And then the third thing is this. Often we've done nothing wrong to cause the battle or the clash. In fact, it's usually because actually you're doing something right. The enemy needn't do anything if you're inactive, but if you're active, he might try and wobble you. Now, there's a, there's a few, um, let me tell you this story, there's a few young adults in the church who over the course of lockdown felt called to make a bit of a difference in an area in Manchester. So they moved into a house on a street that a number of people might not naturally have chosen, but they knew that the need was great and that somebody needed to go there. So somebody had to step up and follow the call that they believed God had said to them. So on the first night of living in this new house, they found out that not only firstly had it not been cleaned and it was pretty bad, but secondly that there were cockroaches, okay? And not only cockroaches, but mice. And not only mice, but one of the mice had made a deposit on one of their beds. Now that alongside about 10 other things that they were facing, honestly to us, and to them, but to us, we were like, this stinks of enemy activity. Again, like the, the neighbour, you, you could say, well, you know, sometimes people in houses get mice. Yeah, but it's stank of enemy activity. You know, I'd love to say that the circumstances flipped that night. They didn't. But with a number of people praying, what I would say is they would say as well, there was a significant swing in what was happening spiritually. You know, when there's pushback from the enemy, we have to stay focused. We have to stand firm. We can't forget the purposes of God in our lives and all that matters, because when we do, we forget and we leave the gate of our heart open and unguarded and accessible to enemy influence, to wobblers and deterrers and distractors from all that we have and all that we carry and all that he's seeking to cause us to do and to step into. You know, who's the most protected person in America? It's the president, because protection goes with promotion. Sometimes when we step up and we step in to more of all that God is calling us to, we have to remember that we need the protection and we have to stand firm. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Awareness of what's happening is so important. 2 Corinthians 2.10 When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. It's important, awareness. We don't want to let the enemy outsmart us. We want to be aware of his evil schemes and stand firm. So much to say 
on this in so little time. Let me just finish by showing how the kingdom of evil manifests and how the power of Jesus overcomes it, because that's the crucial bit. My best advice, if you forget everything else today, my best advice is this, the kingdoms will clash. Stand firm and cling and look to Jesus. The first one is this, Satan manifests through sin. Galatians 3.22, but the scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. There is sin, but Jesus frees us from it. Two, Satan manifests through disease. Luke 10, 13, one Sabbath day of Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent double for 18 years and was able, unable sorry, to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. The woman was crippled, Jesus Frida. Thirdly, Satan manifests through demonization. Mark 5, 2, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Verse 12, send us into the pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission and the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. Legion was possessed. And Jesus freed him. The fourth one, Satan manifests through destruction. Luke 8, 23, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a, a fierce storm struck the lake with the waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Why do you have so little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was great calm. The boat in which the disciples were travelling to the other side nearly sank. Jesus rebuked the storm and he saved them. The fifth one, Satan manifests power through death. Matthew 9.18, as Jesus was saying this, the leader of the synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. Verse 23, when Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Get out, he said to them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him and the crowd was put outside. However, Jesus went in, took the girl by the hand and she stood up. Every time somebody turns to Jesus, the kingdom extends as they find forgiveness, freedom and eternal life. Each time Jesus heals, casts out demons and prevents destruction or raises the dead, the kingdom of God advances. You know, speaking of his approaching death and triumphant through triumph, sorry, through the cross in John 12, 31, Jesus said the time for judging the world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out driven out another version says you know the process of driving out is still continuing today we're all meant to be actively involved in it all of Jesus's disciples were given authority and power to preach to heal and to cast out demons and as this is done the domain of the evil one is driven and pushed back and the kingdom of God extends my best advice is this the kingdoms will clash stand firm and look and cling to Jesus
1 John 3, 8, but the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. He drives out, he pushes back, he sets free. That's what he does. That's what he came to do, is to destroy the works of the animal. When the kingdoms clash, when you feel it, when you're under it, when it feels unrelenting, we, un we overcome by standing firm and we look to Jesus. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I trust that is helpful for you this morning. Let's just spend a moment reflecting and praying together. You know, I often say, um, why do we close our eyes? Somebody texted me last week and said, when, when I got to that bit in the talk, I was driving and I wanted to close my eyes, but I didn't. Can I just say, don't close your eyes if you're driving. This should come with a, a, with a health warning. But I, you know, we believe, why do we do this? Because we believe that the spirit of the living God is among us and on us. And there's power and authority in his presence. And we long for his presence because that's where the manifest glory of God dwells and sets us free so let's just spend some time in that moment Lord Jesus we welcome you invite your your yourself open yourself up to him invite him to fall upon you Lord come on us we need you I just believe a number of you are facing significant and unrelenting sustained resistance because you're active Promotion needs protection. You need protection. Lord, look, cause, a, cause a, just a spirit of courage, of overcoming. Be people that are standing firm. I pray that over us this morning. The spirit of God. And your release from what, where the enemy is seeking to bind and restrain. Lord, would we have an understanding and an ability to see it as the enemy, to call it out and say, no, I will not relent. I will cling to you and press in and push in for all that you have and your plans and your purposes. Lord, come and minister to us. I just believe some of you, it's like hope has drained and anxiety is rising. You need realigning. Lord, realign us. I think there's somebody where you... Um, oh, so you've got a, like a tension in your neck. And it's actually quite painful and sometimes it runs up the side of your face and affects your, you get headaches and all sorts sometimes, not necessarily the same thing, it might be different people, but just Lord, bring healing, Jesus, command your body to, the order to come out of chaos, there'd be an alignment and a stillness on you this morning and a freedom from it, I think that's an affliction actually some of that. Somewhere like just a really disturbed sleep and inability to to rest in that way, Lord. I pray for order there. Pray not only that, I should pray for God dreams in those moments. I feel like someone's got a flashing in their eyes. Like you, even if you get a migraine, sometimes your eyesight is affected. It's like that, but you just keep a flashing. Actually, if you've got that, could you get in touch? We'd love to pray with you. But um, I'll get in touch with people regardless of me saying that well, over any of them. People in small group and some of the ministry teams would long to pray with you. And there's like a don't. I, do you know something I think the enemy is doing is causes us to stop connecting. We get tired of this time. Don't stop connecting. I think um, some of you, it's like your, your worship has been robbed. We're called to be worshippers. We release something of the kingdom and we're realigned as we worship God. Don't let worship be 
um, robbed by the enemy. Let there be a, a song of your heart. It's not just a sung thing, it's a lived out thing, but there's a song of your heart, an overflow. He puts, embeds eternity in us through, through me. He puts music in our hearts, in our souls, to worship him. And some of you, it's like that moment of that spark of overflow and joy that comes and the, the connection with the presence of God and how he changes us as we worship it's just been slightly dampened. I want to pray, fight for that, contend for that, contend for it in our city, but in your own life, in your own heart. Don't let it be dispelled from all that it could be. Jesus, come on us afresh this morning. We say that the enemy has no place, no hold, would be bound and cast off and knocked off you. Jesus. I sense the Lord this morning. I want to, sorry, I've probably spoken really fast. I feel quite passionate about all of this, but um, just spend some time resting in the Lord. Don't, don't not have these moments where he ministers to you and we minister to each other. We bless you. We're for you. We believe in more. And we believe more for you. I hope you have a good week, but why don't you just rest now with some music playing and let the Lord minister to you or reach out, step out, and stand alongside someone else in this moment. Don't not do that, honestly, it's so important. We walk and we stand alongside others.